People, welcome to Junkyard Theory. This is our second collaboration with the TSML page. Uh, thanks to all the admins and thanks to everyone who's joining. And tonight we have one of our homeboys on the show, someone I've known for uh, quite a few years. He's been on my radar since five years, six years back. We connected five years ago. Uh, he's Lankan-born, LA-bred. Uh, he's a music composer. He's all, he also composes uh, music for uh, film and television. He has his own uh, record label called Smooth Black. The one and only Ruanga Sama. Ruanga, how you born, man? How you born? What's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good, bro. How's it going? Good, man. Good. What's the time over there right now? It's pretty pretty late, right? It is. It's, uh, yeah, 9-11. 9-11. Pretty early for us. It's amazing. Good to see mm. you, man. Likewise, brother. I like the so, nice back, by the way. <laughs> and I see the two Lankan flags on oh, either yeah. side of you. Two of them, both of them, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, cheerleading Lanka from all, all, all the way out there. That's that's amazing. Like everything you've done since you moved out there, you know, it's it's just, you know, it, it's crazy, man. And it's not every day that, that you hear someone uh, from Sri Lanka composes music for movies in Hollywood. I, you know, I've heard this story, but the audience hasn't. So I want you to talk a little bit about how you uh how you got to this point what's the origin story man sure um yeah born and raised in sri lanka i went to st peter's shout out to st peter's um moved here when i was about 13 about to turn 14. dude i was always into music you know that's that's all i that was like my passion even in sri lanka i used to go to get the i guess sunday times and all the newspapers because they had like the US UK charts. So all I was into was music growing up. And uh, yeah, when I was 17, 18, I went to college for like a couple of weeks. Then I quickly realized this is not for me. Especially I, I, I was in a, uh, I had to cut up a frog, which I refused to do, you know? So I told her, I, I went to the guy like, yeah, I, I can't do this. And He's like, no, you have to, this is how you're gonna do it. I'm like, this is this is not even what I wanna do. I wanna make music. So thankfully I told this to my parents <clears throat> and I thought, you know, being from Sri Lanka, like we have to go to college, we have to have education. I thought it's gonna be a battle, but it was the easiest conversation. They're like, oh, you wanna do music? Great, do music. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and my dad, um, shout out to my dad, man. He, he went and brought me like a Pro Tools system, put me on it and that's, all I've done ever since I've never had a job. I've never had anything. I've never done anything else about music since I was 17, all the way up to now. And yeah, so at first, you know, I was working with neighborhood rappers to really anybody, anybody I could get a hold of. Then a couple of lucky breaks, a couple of like crazy circumstances. I ended up in like Dr. Dre's camp for a little bit, doing some things like almost from like a distance intern type of vibes. Then I was able to leverage that into like a Beyonce remix. And from that, I was able to kind of like crack open and get myself in the door. I got really good at leveraging one thing to another. And um, this this dude I met, he kept saying, dude, you, you should look into like TV and film. And I was young and I was, I, I didn't really understand what he was. You know, I was just like, what's this TV and film? What are you talking about? He's like, dude, this is, these, then, you know, if you get into like movies, you could work until you're like 
40, 50, 60, 70, like this, some of these composers, like really old, they still have work. And you know, like it didn't resonate with me at that time because I was probably like 20, 21. I'm like, I don't care about these 70, 60, 70 year old composers right now. And I want to be like a master producer. And, <clears throat> but, but you know, we, he kept placing my music in smaller things like VH1, MTV, you know, these little, little TV shows here and there. Then, you know, along with, as I got better and as my skill set got better and we started doing a little bit bigger things, like all of a sudden it was like TLC, History Channel, you know, um, Bio, then eventually like Showtime, HBO. And eventually one day I did the entire Fast and Furious 5 and that kind of changed everything for me. Ever since that, like I've been one of the go-to guys for all movies, some of the biggest movies too. And yeah, scored a couple of movies, did that. And I'm still like working with a lot of artists. And, but I love, dude, I love movies. You know, you know that I love like storytelling. And, and I think like, as I got older, I, I started to appreciate music in movies more, how, how to complement the story, how to accent certain things, how to like bring up tension to, you know, release tension. And, you know, almost like I'm like a director, slash creators like best friend you know like musically i'm always trying to like accent whatever they're trying to say so to 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 learn the craft of it you know it, it was just a pleasure and now i really love just movies storytelling creating movies everything about like movies and storytelling is I'm, I'm addicted to it talk to me a bit about your mom because that's where the music comes mm -hmm. from right Mm -hmm. So your mom used to play uh, over here in Sri Lanka, and I'm pretty sure that was uh, probably your main influence. Yeah, growing up too, I was in, I was in studios. Um, she played a lot in like hotels. This is also before the war kind of ramped up. You know, when, when it was still under, under control, you would have like parties and things like that. So we used to always go to like, like after school, I remember like kindergarten or like very young age. I used to just straight jump on like a tour bus and I would do all my homework on the bus. I would fall asleep. You would stop by somewhere, have like a kotu, have a tea. Like I really grew up with like a band. And at that time, my dad he was in Abu Dhabi. You know, like like most most families in Sri Lanka do, the men go away to make money and make, make the life better. But my mom was having a blast. She was in a band and I was grew up with these dudes in the band. And you know, they used to like, I remember all the crazy things we used to just, dance and I used to come home at like four or five in the morning as like a I don't know like six seven year old I'm knocked out the next morning I do it again so I grew up in that environment and also like studios when my mom did like a record over there um I was I was able to go to like studios and see how they used to cut records really talented Sri Lankan musicians and my uncle who was in dynamite to a lot of lot of bands even now um I was really good friends with um, this dude, like the the nephew of um, the gypsy, Sunil Perra, that just passed away. Rest in peace. He's a legend. Um, yeah, so I was like, I saw them do a lot of their things, gypsies type of stuff. Um, my uncle was a drummer. He was in every band. So I, I grew up around music, a lot of music in Sri Lanka, and especially with, through my mom. But also my dad, man, he, ever since I was young, he, for whatever reason, let me buy any CD or anything I want. 
even from Abu Dhabi, Dubai. I remember going to Dubai one time and I wasn't aware of it, but I ended up ordering like 22 CDs. So I go to the store and the guy gets really happy. And my dad's like, you ordered all the CDs? I'm like, I guess I did. And he had no problem. He's like, okay, great, take it. So I was, you know, I I was fed music growing up in Sri Lanka and really grew up around a lot of music. So I think that had a be trip, you know, like stressing out, coming home. I was like, that's not for me. I need to more have like a great time. The nine to five doesn't work. It doesn't just does not cut it. It just doesn't work for me, at least, you know, because we only have like a short amount of time, you know, in, in a cosmic thing, we in it like a blink of an eye, like hundred years is nothing. It goes by quick. So like, well, like good quality, 70, 80 years. And most of the time you trade it in for money. And most of the time people do things they're not even passionate about. Just doesn't make any sense to me, you know? So I think even the listeners, everybody that's here, you should just do what you love to do all the time. 100%. Trying to make a living out of it so you're not like broke and happy. <laughs> yes. I think that, that that goes without saying, definitely. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that single line you said, you've talked to me about this too. You've never had a bad day. No. It's something you, you've said uh, in interviews over there in the States as well. One, I remember you were pretty stoned, but that's that's a story for another time. <laughs> but talk, talk to me a little bit about this. You told me, you know, like, and you tell other people too, you never had a bad day. And uh, tell tell me that, you know, the story behind that, because I, I remember it being like really powerful. Dude, I mean, honestly, more than anything, like, if you do what you love to do, you know, and the, the pursuit of like your dreams and everything, how, how could you have a bad day? You know, this is what you like. If I if I had a job, this is what I would do in my free time. The fact that this is what I do all the time, like, how could I ever have a possibly bad day? You know. And also, I grew up in, I grew up in Sri Lanka. I saw a war. I, I've seen people die in front of me. You know, I've seen bombs go off, and I've seen heard it. I've seen limbs fall off. And where I used to catch the bus is this where they used to dump bodies, where it's like the, you know, like the. I don't even know if it's like LTT related or like politics related, but there was dead people, you know? <laughs> I don't know who killed them, but there was dead people. So I've seen all of the crazy side of um, growing up in Sri Lanka. So from that coming here, like it's, it's very hard for me to have a bad day. No matter how things seems bad, like put it against what I grew up with and what some people had to go through. Even last time I went to Sri Lanka, man, um, I was with you a lot. Um, what was it? What year was it? Twenty eighteen, something like late twenty, late twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Like when I went to Jaffna, like hearing some of those stories, what they went through, you know, like how could you ever have a bad day when you when we're like this, you know? Even you, bro, like you're doing everything you love to do all the time. Like it, it would be silly for you to like be stressed out and have bad days. Of course, there's there's stressful moments. But like, you cannot, you just got to keep in perspective. Like we're doing what we love to do every day, all the time. So, you know, count your blessings. Blessed man. That's, that's, that's the only word I can actually use. Yeah. Dude, when, when I heard, so when I watched fast five in 2011, right? I think this was, I, I think I watched it on DVD and uh, you had this one track, Danza Kuduro and 
then you come to the, the ending title track. And I was like, I always found that final track, the, the, the track which played over the credits, more of a banger than the, you know, than Danza Guduro. I mean, Danza Guduro is great, but how we roll, <laughs> yeah. I had no freaking clue that you, like a Sri Lankan born guy, composed this. And when I found out, I was like, dude, like, why? How, how is this not getting more publicity? Because it's one of the biggest franchises in the world. And Fast Five was, I think, the point where the franchise kind of flipped from, you mm -hmm. know, uh, being about racing to uh, shift into the action heist genre. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when it kind of like, you know, started making uh, waves over there. I mean, it did wave, make waves, but it started reaching to a mass audience there. And talk to me about Fast Five. I mean, you, you also got a call from Paul Walker once uh, the yeah. film was out. So just tell us a little bit about that. How, how, how did the whole gig come together? Yeah, man, I, uh, I was reading this book uh, from Malcolm Gladwell called, I think, The Tipping Point, where he talks about like connectors, you know? And for whatever reason, that, that, that section spoke to me so much. I was just like, I, I hit up my friend, uh, Jonathan McHugh, just randomly. Be like, hey, dude, like, let me, let me, let me pull up to you now. He's like, and at that time, he was like the head of like Def Jam, like the TV and film sync side of it. He's like, yo, come, come. And Reed's not here. Like, I have his office. Just come right now. So I literally went over there. And while I was in the thing, and he's having a blast. You know, this is like, he's, he's also in the peak of his career at the time, you know. So he's just feeling himself, feeling really good. He's showing me around the office. Then he got a call from this guy named, um, I think either Mike Noblock or like Rachel Levy from Universal Films saying, hey, we're still looking for our entitled Fast Five. Um, at that time, also the Fast and Furious franchise was kind of losing steam, you know, so they wanted to like really turn things around. That's where they bought The Rock and, you know, a lot of things, like they wanted to like make a big deal out of it. They didn't have like an entitled, you know, they didn't have an entitled thing. And so they, he was just like, hey, give it to my boy, Rue. Give it to my boy, Rue. And he, and they didn't know who I was. I was there like, dude, who's that we want? And they named, couple of huge people. They were like, no, man, we, I'm calling you because we want like Rick Ross or like Ludacris or this, that, somebody big. He's like, no, you just destroyed him. Just give him a chance. They're like, okay, fine. What's his address? We'll give him, we'll send him something. Like, so they had this idea called like, um, how we roll, like a little hook idea, but they didn't have anything else around it. So it's like, we, we could maybe send it to him. Okay, if it's fine, just whatever, like almost to just, to have him stop mentioning my name. They're like, okay, fine. We, we, we'll send him something. Fine. But then they moved on and kept saying, we need this person, that person. So that day when I got home, they had already sent some files over from a messenger. Like, this is back in the day before, like, retransfer. Maybe they did have, I don't know why, but they had, like, actual physical package. So I put it in the thing, and overnight, and I didn't know what's going to happen. You know, overnight, I just made this track, and I was, like, really excited that this could be, like, a game change. I, I knew, too. I had I had a feeling if if I nailed it, this could be like really huge. So overnight, I sent it to him, and I sent it to Mikhail, and I guess he sent it to everybody else. And I went to sleep, and I woke up next day, and there was like thirty six emails, like a huge thread. They're like, "This is it. This is great. This is what." And I had missed calls, so I picked up. I called him. He's like, "Hey, there's a conference call at noon. You got to get on." Okay, cool. So it's the director, and everybody's on the call. And nobody knows me and I'm on the call. They haven't even have no idea who made it, nothing. They just know like they love this thing. 
they're like, oh, this is great. This is what we're going to go with. Now we just got to look for like a big artist. So that's how it came about. And they finally, like, we tried a bunch of artists. We tried YG. I think Ludacris did something. Maybe Rick Ross. But eventually, like, we settled on Buster Rhymes. And when the thing came out, man, not too long after it came out, it did really well. I got a call from, uh, yeah, Paul Walker. And it was pretty special. It was like, oh, this, you, you did a great job. I'm like, oh, this is fine. Thank you. And unfortunately, he passed. But, you know, his, his legacy lives on. Yeah. How cool is that, man? Like, you, every single time you tell me this story, it's still fresh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Man, that, that song really, like, that song and the project changed my life for sure. You know, after that, so, I, was, I didn't have to, like, I, I always had, like, a huge blockbuster movie that, you know, behind me. So it was just easy. Things got easy after that for sure. So, uh, Fast Five came out in 2011. And within the past, 10 years you know just recap like where you come from there like thing things certainly got easier uh but at the time like you know what were the main challenges that you faced like you know you've been a music producer song like music was your thing but getting a hook and uh you know familiarizing yourself with the art of composing that's a whole different thing you know so yeah. how did yeah. you kind of like get into it um yeah it, it was Man, it's 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 pretty. Yeah, I, I, there was definitely a le learning curve. So making like entitled songs to like composing, and with the with the song, you know, you, you don't have to worry about like being invasive, you know. But when you're composing for a movie, you don't want to do too much to get in the way of the dialogue, to get in the get in the way of the story. It's not about you when you when you're composing a song. Or when you're making and producing a song with artists, it's different because you could do whatever you want. You know, like if you hire me as a composer, if I'm like composing your next movie, whatever, like I have to stay within your story. Like I'm literally serving your vision. You know, so whoever the director and the storyteller is, that's all I'm concerned about. I'm, I'm accenting things when they needed, um, carrying the emotion through. So to it's really easy, like you've taken a step back and kind of serving a story opposed to trying to make people dance or like trying to make people like jump up and down. This is prolonged, you know, like a with song also you don't have, you have like three and a half minutes. This is like 90 minutes. And sometimes it's just one note holding up just to create some tension. Sometimes it's, it's just a noise. It's a white noise. Sometimes it's anything, you know, so you don't, it's, it's very different. But I'm really, as I'm getting old, I'm really, I enjoy the storytelling aspect of it. I just love good stories. I love movies. So it's, it's now I'm appreciating it more and more. And dude, I'm, I'm, I really enjoy composing now, you know? Even though composing takes so much more time than like producing a song or even an album, composing takes forever. Um, but there's an art to it. And also like, with composing too, like the communication you have with your director and the editor is very important. You know, I think that's where like either you make it or you break it. Like if, if you don't, if you don't gel with the, the director or if you don't know how to communicate with the editor, you could get, get yourself in trouble. Cause you know, in, eventually it's director needs to like be pleased with the thing. Also the editor needs to cut it in, in a way 
it makes sense for the director. So those two are kind of like your like creative partners in the process. And uh, yeah, man, I, I'm still learning as I'm going. So it's... You composed uh, an entire movie for Netflix, uh, Reality High. And more than the movie, I think the soundtrack was what kind of connected with the audience. Of course, of and, course. And I really like the direction. I mean, uh, like you, like you said, you try to stay within the constraints and like of the director and try to, uh, uh, you know, uh, serve the story. But at the same time, you suggested, like, you know, you uh, spoke about communication. You suggested something to the director about like the type of music that the characters in the movie that they would listen to, like, and yeah. that was more realistic. So, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so so what I what I like to do now is like getting in a movie in, in the script stage, you know, so I could kind of talk to the director and like understand the the vision. And in this particular case, it was Fernando, and one of my closest friends now. He's he's the homie. Uh, with him and I, when I sat with him, I had done music for one of his like old like previous movies, so he knew, but we've never met, you know. So for the first time when he came to this place, actually he was sitting right here. We talked, we spoke about, hey, like the story and everything. And he thought he wanted like, he, he's an EDM guy. He loves like, you go to Ibiza, he loves like house music and things like that. But these are like some black kids from like, you know, Calabasas. So some kind of almost like some rich black kids, you know? And he's like, yeah, we need to have this, that. I'm like, dude, honestly, man, I don't think they're gonna listen to this kind of music. He's like, really? Yeah, so also what I did was I reached out to a couple of kids that age group and had them send me like playlist. So I'm like, you know, I have about like 10 kids. A couple of them actually went to the exact high school that the story takes place in. They sent me their playlist. So why don't you listen to this and you're not gonna find any house music. You might find one or two. It's for the most part you're hearing Drake's to Travis Scott's, you know, regular like rap, hip hop, urban music. And he's like, oh, really? Okay, okay. It took him a while to get around to it, but then finally he was just like, dude, this is, you're right. They don't listen to it. I'm like, yeah. So with him, you know, with not just him, with all directors, I, I asked him, dude, either one or two ways we could do this. Either I could like really get into the script, I could serve the script and the story, or I could just do what you asked me to do, you know? And every single time they're going to be like, no, serve the story. Like, I'm like, yeah. Exactly. We wanna we I wanna tell the story, help you tell the story, not like what you think is, you know. So there are times I might dis I may disagree with you, but obviously you're the director. Like you have the final say, but but I will put up a fight and if I like really believe in something, I will like, you know, I, I will try to move the needle. He's like, That's fine. And yeah, so we had a great time. At some point he trusted me so much and he let me do whatever I want. You know? So that was such such a that was a great time in my life too, because you know, it was just him and I got along so well. We would, we would go to the editing room, and I would have songs. We slap it around, put it in this thing, put it in that one. We would score it, and we just had a great time. We were there for like, I'll get there on like eleven, twelve, sometimes even earlier, and we'd come home around like eight, nine at, at night, and we would spend all day just like working on this thing, and. Other times I would come here, like compose music and take it back to him with the editor. It was really good, and and I edit myself, so it's easy for me to take take scenes and like slap the music to it, so I could do it exactly how it is, and I could show it to the editor, so they could properly do it in the whole system. 
yeah, so I had a great time with the entire thing. And uh, so what ended up happening is I ended up doing 30 songs for the movie. So the entire movie was was like a huge soundtrack. And even though there was composing elements to it as well, but that movie had like so much energy and a bounce to it because it was a teenage movie. It's like a high school movie. So you kind of needed to be like bouncy and like have fun, you know, just, just, just all the things they went through. And I think, I, I thought we did a good job, especially on the soundtrack side and shout out to Fernando. That was one of, the, one of those movies that you remember it, you know, the, the, the soundtrack more than the story, I guess. Right, because you know, it's yeah. a typical story, but the soundtrack, we were able to do like a lot more things to it, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think you were composing this by the time we met up. This was in 2017. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that's how you, how you kind of like reached out. Yeah, that's the time that you came for like one day, right? Then you had one day, yes. Yeah, it was like a, we had lunch or something. I forgot what we did, but oh, yeah, we had Malaysian food. I remember. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember with Scooter and uh, Ishii. Ishii, yeah. Yeah. Then you had to yeah. go back to the OC or something. I remember that day. Yeah. And that was like cool. I mean, uh, we connected kind of like by by chance and like i i, I you told me uh, that you'd seen a trailer or something that i i think i boosted it for la i don't know why i boosted it but yeah dude i saw this thing yeah i don't know i don't know how i found it i was at my parents house i remember that, like usually when i go to my mom's house like within the first couple of hours i'm really full so i'm like sleepy you know, so that's what happened. I go there with all the energy, then I'm just wanting to take a nap because I ate so much food. So I remember like going to take a nap. And for whatever reason, like I don't really go on Facebook that much. I decided to go on Facebook. I was scrolling and I saw this trailer. I think it was the uh, the, the the fighting one. The, what is it called? Identic. Identic, yeah. That one. Yeah, so like I just saw this fighting scene. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like I've never, like this is wild. And I'm a, I'm a huge... I love like old fighting movies. You know, anytime it's a fighting scene, like I'm a, I'm a sucker for it, you know? So like, this is well done. And I think I reached out to you, right? Say like, hey, dude, like, this is great. Then I think you said, oh, actually I'm gonna be in LA next, whatever. I'm like, oh, dude, we gotta link up. And that's how it happened. Yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember you telling me that you were, work, you were composing a Netflix movie at that time. I was like, oh, okay. We were connected somehow at that point I think on Facebook, and I was like, "All right, I'm I'm, I'm heading to LA. Yeah, I gotta meet the guy." <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, that was that was like uh, so cool. And uh, you somehow got into martial arts at the same time. And talk to me a little bit about how that's affected uh, your your career. Right, that too, was man. that was crazy. So that was the first time I met you. Then I think you came back a, about a year later. Yeah, the following year, 2018. So 2018, Akash came. And he actually stayed with me for like, I don't know, like a week or a something. A week, a week. I was there with yeah, you for a week. He stayed at my house for a week and we decided to do a, um, I had an artist assigned to me at that time named Sinclair. Shout out to Sinclair. He's still one of my best friends, Christian Plenty. Um, yeah, so we um, we decided to do like a video for, for him. He was in town. I was like, hey, you want to do a music video? He's like, yeah, for sure. First night I remember he came in. He didn't even know he was going to do a music video. I'm like, he came in. Like, dude, you should do a music video. He's like, okay, I'll be down. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to have the artist and everybody pull up right now. So we were in the studio and we literally created an entire story. And this man had just got into town or something. And he's like, okay, when are we going to shoot it? I'm like, 
end of the week. You're here for a week. We need to shoot it end of this week. So he could go back with the footage and edit it. And he's like, okay, so we're we gonna so somewhere somehow we had to lock down a um like a concept, get on like get all the pieces together, every single like the actress, actor, every person, like locations, like the clothing. And it's also like a fighting, it was like a lot of fight scenes. So we had to choreograph fights. We had to go you told out. me to put a fight scene in there. I did tell you to put a fight scene in there, yeah. So then he had to choreograph the entire fight scene and I also told him to put like weapons in it. So we got nunchucks, we did this. So that week was insanity. But through that week, every morning Akash would get up and he would like train, he would just do things. And I just wanted to be along with it. And when I was like training with him and I just realized like, man, this is actually like, it's amazing. I have so much energy through the day. And it was like simple too. He would just, you know, he would just kind of like set up just like, but like the third, fourth day, I was just like really looking forward to it. You know, I was just like, dude, I can't wait to like, I remember like the third day telling you like, before we like we wrapped up the day, like, dude, I can't wait for the like, workout in the morning. He's like, yeah, dude, like let's do it. So then, um, yeah, that whole week was insanity you know, because we had so much work to do, but I really enjoyed the working out process. So we were working out, got into martial arts and I was, and I was really intrigued by the whole, um, cause I like in my front yard is that's where we uh, rehearse all the fight scenes. So every night there was mad people here, just like fighting outside, just teaching steps. So I really enjoyed the entire process and the video came out great. But before I left, before he left, I asked him to put together like a plan for me. I was like, dude, I really enjoyed it, but I want to keep on going. So Akash, um, he put together a very particular plan, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like five days, what to do each day. And he was like, almost, it's a piece of paper that I was able to follow. And I got addicted to it, honestly. Next thing you know, like I, I was training every day and I'm, he's checking up on me while he's editing the movie. That's the funny thing. While he's editing, the, I mean, the music video. So music I'm video. Giving, giving notes we're going back and forth you're also checking hey man how's your working out going i'm like good man i'm really enjoying it and at the time i was going to go to thailand and propose to catherine and at that time I'm, i've been looking at different martial arts to like learn i was like what's the most thing that i've really gotten to ufc think like what, what what's the things that work the most i'm like oh like muay thai you could like punch somebody you know <laughs> so when i was in thailand i uh picked up muay thai and at, at the same time i remember like we were like we had to do some reshoots and we had to do some things. I remember also calling you for two things. I was calling you to tell you how excited I am for like this Muay Thai. And also like, hey, how's, how's the editing going? Can I see something, you know? So between those two, and once I went to Thailand, took a couple of like Muay Thai things, I was addicted. And ever since that day, like martial arts have been like a huge part of me. Then he came back, we trained. Last time I was in Sri Lanka, his dad is also like amazing martial artist. He, he, we were training. I stayed with you for a few days and we were training so much every morning. We were just like sweating. We were training and he was, he was showing me how to kick, how to punch, how to do this, how to do that. And yeah, man. So martial arts have changed my life and you kind of led me to that, which is great. You were so into it at one point that the people you were working with in the music industry over there, they were really concerned whether you're going to break a bone or two. Yeah, I know. Even like recently, they were just like, dude, you need to like slow down. But you know, like it's, it's if, if you if you like go to like martial art gyms, you know, it's not like people throwing punches at each other. It's it's pretty organized and it's it's organized chaos, you know. 
so, but how how good it is. But one thing about that is that it just keeps you humble. Because when you know, when when you meet people that's smaller than you and everything, that could just just kill you if they wanted to. There's a part. Of, there's a, there's a humble gene that's get activated that you know. Like when I go anywhere, I would I would never mess with anybody because you have no idea. Like I've seen people that's just little people, especially in Thailand. When I went to Thailand, I saw this Thai dude. He was just like five five. I'm like, oh, I probably could destroy this dude. This guy almost made me cry. How tough they are, you know. So it 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 makes you humble. I I feel like everybody should practice martial arts. If you have a kid, a daughter, a son, you, you should enroll them into like a martial arts, any kind of style, because that will serve them for the rest of their lives, you know. And I think uh, it goes so far as to show like, you know, it builds the discipline in you, which eventually gets transferred into your work as well. Absolutely, man, you know. Which is something that I've noticed in you, like even before you got into martial arts, you would wake up, come down to your desk, send out cold emails every single morning. And then when you started working out, I noticed it like more, like you had more energy while you were, mm -hmm. you know, uh, doing, uh, getting into your morning routine. So that that is how effective it can be, I guess. Yeah, I feel like with what we do, we, we need to maintain some sort of like a balance, right? Because it's easy for us to work. This is our passion. So it's easy for us to work nonstop. I'm sure the same with you, Akash. Like it's probably easy for you to just not sleep, forget to eat. You're just working on a script, working on a project. Same here, you know? So we probably need more discipline than most people because we we tend to be workaholics. Like we don't, like I don't party. I don't think you party. We don't like go out, drink, smoke. We, we don't do it on a, we literally sit here and work. That's all we do. So to have some sort of a practice that keeps you in balance, you know, that gives you more energy because if you slouch in a chair all day long, you know, eventually you're going to get out of shape. Eventually, you know, your spine is going to get bad and, you know, a lot of things going to happen. But like just to go out there, stretch, get like a break of sweat, bounce around. And just to also know there's an outside world, you know, rather than the world that we exist in, it's super healthy. So it's also like, I think it goes to show that balance is important, especially with what we do. Always. Dude, so talk to me, like, what's next? Uh, you you all, you run your own uh, record label at the same time. You bring up people like uh, Tyler Sellers, uh, you had Christian uh, some time back, and uh, you know you've been nurturing artists on the side with the record label Smooth Black, and you also juggle uh, film composing. So talk to me, what's next in line? What are you working on right now? So I'm, my focus honestly is to I want to have a couple of hits, like massive hits, and I I want to really establish a couple of things. I want to establish myself as a like hit making producer music producer, like songs on the radio and things like that. Another thing I want to do is um, I want to, Akash and I have been talking about it a lot too lately. I, I'm really getting into producing movies, putting things together, things like that. So between those two, you know, like I, I want to produce movies, um, have hits and break artists. I think those three. I don't know if I could do anything else outside of that just because of time constraint. Um, of course, like also like compose movies. I probably enjoy producing movies more than composing movies because I am more attached to the storytelling aspect of it. 
um, sometimes musically it helps, but for the most of the time, I feel like, especially very talented directors, storytellers, you just gotta help them in any way you can, you know, whether it's like connecting with the the right finances, you know, finances to the right locations, right everything. So that takes more of a producer role, or even if it's you know connecting you like somebody like you to somebody in Hollywood that could open gates, open doors that you may not be able to do being from Sri Lanka that they may already be in. So things like that are more interesting. I really want to like put on amazing filmmakers and storytellers. And that's that's a passion of mine too. So yeah, between making hits, breaking artists and uh, producing movies. What uh, about producing movies? What sort of, you know, how do you decide that uh, uh, whether you connect with the story or not? Like how does that work for you? So you read the screenplay or you hear a pitch like you know we've been pitching ideas back and forth right. for you know for for quite a while and you did you know you told me all right this works this one doesn't what clicks with you like and how how do you decide on that it's very i feel like there's no science to it you know like it's like when you hear you hear a great song right sometimes it connects with you like if i if you were to tell me a pitch could you have like show me a lot of things even if if i didn't connect with it it doesn't mean it's a bad one. It's nothing like that. It's just that it just didn't speak to my soul, you know? Also, maybe it didn't speak to my soul at that time. Maybe in that time period, I was in a different place. Who knows? That happens with music all the time. I would listen to a song. I, I would dismiss it just to hear it in like a different setting, different background. I'm like, oh, I get the song now. The song's dope, you know? That's happened to me so many like rap songs where I'm, I'm just completely dismissive of it. Then I could be like a like, skating ring. The song comes out, how I see everybody react to it. I'm like, oh, I understand. So same thing with like films. But I think like as far as producing side goes, I have to connect with the creator first. Because if you work with somebody for months and months that you don't personally connect to, it could be a nightmare. No matter how how amazing the story might be, I don't think it's worth it, you know? Because you, you, you guys don't just don't click. Because, you know, you also know, making a movie, making anything, you're going to run into so many problems, so many things going to go left, so many things that you didn't even anticipate might happen. So you have to be able to problem solve with with the creators, with, with other people, with the director, with everybody, with other producers. Like getting so, kicked out of car parks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like we, we got kicked out a couple of places when we were shooting. You have to be able to, like, problem solve and you know, keep it like a cool head and do it. And the second part place we went to, it was like 115 degrees. Like we were going to pass out, you know, like it's, 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 it was crazy, but we, we got it done. And I remember, I remember that day too, me and uh, Christian, who's our lead, the music videos for him, him and I got into a huge argument to start off the day. We were about to fight, you know, we got, we got, we were on each other's faces. So like, but still, we had we had to shoot the entire day so no matter how upset we were at each other we had to like put that to the side and do it you know i still think i was right that day though because you know he was wrong um uh, <laughs> you know like we had to do what we had to do i remember you calling me to the side and be like hey dude it's okay just 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 let it go like we still gotta work and i was so upset at the time so things like that you know you need to have people that communicate like that that day could have gone left really fast you know, but like we, we were able to like get it back on track 
because we we went really left. Everything fell apart in the morning. I remember, like within two, like hour and a half into it, it was terrible. We got kicked out. <laughs> right, we got into a huge argument. The guy lost his like clothes. It was going left, but like that's why you need to work with the right team, right crew, so we could bring it back. But towards the end, we had a great time. We were high fiving, hugging each other. We had amazing day. We were just, it was great. So, yeah, man. So as far as story connecting, it's something. You know, some things connect with you, something don't. But also, the when I listen to story now, I I try to think what I could bring to the table, and if it's something that would that I would enjoy. Like, you know, there's certain things I watch all the time. I love comedies, for example, you know. I love comedies. Um, I love horrors. Um, I love sci-fis. You know, it's just like certain things that I really like. Even But even within those genres, there's specific things that connects with me. So if you were to, like, put that in front of me, I might like it more than something else and also see how I could help, you know, bring that vision to life. So, yeah. A lot it's of highly ways. subjective, right? Highly subjective. That's what I'm saying. Everything we do from music mm. to movies, I like who who are anybody say this is good or this is bad, you know? Obviously, sometimes in the extreme cases, you know, this is great or this is terrible. But for the most part, like, especially an idea, it kind of lives in the middle until you take it to each side, right? So you don't really know. Like I said, if it doesn't connect with me, it doesn't really mean anything. It just doesn't connect with one human out of like 7 billion of us. So it doesn't mean anything. And about shooting in some place like LA, which is like the entertainment capital of the world, uh, I realize that it's like pretty damn hard. Like everyone's out there for money, you know. Like if you right. want to get a location, you can't really go guerrilla style. Although we kind of did, we did. We did. You know, we, we 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 got kicked out, but at yeah. the same time, we managed to you know uh, circumvent problems and kind of pull it off. And we did like right. pretty amazingly on a on a on a very shoestring budget also. Right, and yeah, that yeah, kind of brings. Yeah, exactly. And that brings me to how easy uh, it can be to shoot something over here in Sri Lanka. And you and I, we both echo the same thoughts, you know? So uh, speaking to creators over here in Sri Lanka, where you where you come from originally, mm -hmm. what do you have to say about how easy it is to get things done versus like... Dude, I think you, you should follow your I think you should follow Akash. <laughs> Reach out to him. <laughs> because like what you've done with the three things are like very impressive. I've showed people over here, you know. Um, there's an artist named like Belly. I've showed your thing to, and he he could not believe like what you did, you know. To um, you showed it to Belly. Yeah, like I showed the horror Shit. to him, and he, he was just like, "Wow, like this is this." Is, he he couldn't really believe it, and he was just like, "Dude, like when I have an idea, I would love to go to Sri Lanka and shoot it." I'm like, "Yo, it's great. I got the people over there, you know." So I think, yeah, like it's a blessing sometimes being from over there too. And hopefully, at least the culture when I was growing up, you know, unless you're like a doctor or like a, you know, like an engineer, you kind of get looked down upon. I think thanks to people like Akash and what he's doing, things have changed now, you know? And so like take advantage of it. And, you know, like now, like be brave, man, go out there and just make things done. Because over here, you need a permit for everything. Everything costs money. And nobody's going to help you. Everybody's going to want money. You know, like, before you even, like, get to the location, you're spending 20 grand of, on nothing. $20,000 $20, on 
just to just to lock some people down just to for locations to this that and it's, it gets pretty crazy you know so over there you have the freedom and you have the flexibility to get things done so I, you should and it's so powerful when you like execute something versus an idea in your head you know when you when you could just press play and somebody could see something opposed to just making me imagine it's night and day so i think like take advantage of it if you're in sri lanka and you know reach out to akash and other people like that and hopefully you know i'm really hoping to sri lanka has become more collaborative in that way because i know there was a time at least in the music there was a time where you know just like we're controlling this over here not you this 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 too much politics i think the sooner as you could open it all up and like start collaborating and you know really start like working with each other and not put people down it, it'll be better overall for the country for the creatives and also for the next generation you know i know you're in your 20s but soon you'll be like in your 30s 40s 50s 60s and there'll be like another 20 year old and i think it's your job it's our job to make it easy for them talk to me a bit about that because this is exactly what you've been doing with your uh with your record label as well you're nurturing people who are younger than you you always told me this like you want to work with people who are younger than you bring them up and even if they supersede you and like they go way above you that doesn't really you know uh cause you to like it doesn't really cause you to like uh and you know get jealous or anything as such and that's something that i think a lot of sri lankans are struggling with you know if you see someone going up the ladder they try to pull you down by the leg and uh <clears throat> that's a very bad gene that we've you know, uh, had to deal with uh, throughout the past two millennia. So uh, you were talking about changing that up. So just talk a little bit about that too, bro. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think it's it's especially like smaller. I've noticed this from like smaller countries like Sri Lanka, where the resources are limited. People tend to do that more because they don't they don't think there's enough to go around, so they try to hold on to whatever they have. So it's 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 natural. I could understand. You know, I don't like it, but I could. I could understand, you know, people be like, oh, there's only X amount available, you know, so like I, I want to hold it to myself. But I think now, I don't think that that state of mind or that way of looking at the world is, is healthy or helpful. And I think we should always help each other. Like, if, bro, honestly, if you become like huge, if you become the biggest director, it's only going to help me. You know what I mean? I always, I'm always going to have a job. I could always come to you. So like it's more advantageous for me to help you become a huge director, you know. Like so, like I I always also think man, we also ha always have to help make the life easy for the people that's up and coming, and that's just that's how humanity's built upon, right? Like that's what we're doing. Our life is easier than like our ancestors. That's something we we must do in order for like humans in general to survive. We gotta make the world better for the next generation, next generation, next generation, so we could, you know, eventually like evolve into something like greater. You know, hopefully one day we'll be, who knows what we'll be doing, right? So that's the thing, man. We always gotta help, especially the younger people that's coming up. We gotta inspire them. We gotta, we gotta show them it's possible, and help however we can. That's why, like, anybody could reach out to me anytime. I will, I'm always down to help, and even over here, like. I love working with like the younger people 
you know, and they are, they are creative too, you know, like they're, they're creative minds and I think they're more creative. I think they're more open-minded. They're less, um, I don't know, I feel like even the younger generation now, it's, it's, it's a little bit more evolved than the people that I came up with, you know? I feel like they're, they're, they're happy to see you succeed opposed to just like getting jealous, you know? Even if they were to get jealous, they wouldn't act on it and do something out of pocket. You know, they will like handle it and suppress it and know that, oh, that's a, that's a silly thing I'm feeling. So I think it's very important. That's why I love what you do, man. This whole platform, like giving away knowledge for free. And you know, just like help as much people as we possibly can. It's only gonna help you in the end. Always. We have a question here, but we kind of like wrap okay. things up. Uh, so what's your next project? Any clue? Yeah, I got a couple of singles coming out. Um, I can't really give the names out yet, but I have a couple of singles coming out before the end of the year. Uh, and uh, yeah, that and a couple other movies coming out as well. I'll, I will give you more names because I had to sign some NDAs and things like that, so I can't really freely like talk about it yet, but soon. In due time. And uh, before we wrap things up, uh, you reached out to me a couple, uh, weeks, not a couple of weeks back, but it was like a month back. And uh, I think we have, uh, uh, you have a small announcement to make. I think, I think it might be better to come, come from you because you are the creator. <laughs> so uh, I am really happy and proud to announce that going forwards, every single episode of Junkia Theory is going to be produced by the man on the right side of the screen. Ruanga is going to be taking over as a producer for Junkia Theory, which is uh, an honor, bro. Thank you so much. Honestly, man, I'm just like, I was so proud of all you've done already. I was actually blown away, you know, when you sent me the list and when I've seen the people like that you were able to bring on, I was really blown away and I was really proud of everything you've done. And um, yeah, man, so I was just thinking if anything, I want to help you take this to the next level, put it in front of the right people. So I'm really here to help you, honestly. Like what you've been doing is phenomenal, and you gotta continue to do what you do. Even the bro, even the projects, to the movies, everything, everything you had got your hands on, man. You just gotta double, triple down on, and really focus and kill them off because you're on a path to doing something great. You know, especially being home, home based from Sri Lanka, living over there. Like you're, you're like trailblazing. You, you're opening up worlds for a lot of people. You know, so one day when people like look up. Bro, when you're like 40, 50, 60 years old, there'll be kids looking up and be like, oh, gosh, he did it. You know, from like this to from Junkie Art Theory, just one of many things you're doing that to your movies, to the shorts. They'll be like, wow, this is one guy like just like us grew up here that did it, that that was able to bring on the biggest guest, you know, like reach out to big movies. So, yeah, man, so very proud of everything you've done. I'm just here to help, bro. And just a little shout out back at you because uh, it's a little technique that you uh, kind of told me about back when we were in LA, which kind of uh, spurred the whole thing, started the whole thing. So hats off, man. And uh, yeah, uh, dude, like. Well, you know, also, it's not just, um, I could tell you something, but you're the one who did it, you know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> something is easy. <laughs> but I, th I think, it, you know what? It's, it, it's about who you spend time time with you know 
Because yeah. uh, something I've noticed is like a single trip to LA, like a week over there, talking to you guys, like being around y'all, like it lasts, it, it gives me some sort of energy for the entire year, which is like, which right. is why I come back like at least once or twice a year. Right. Just so that I, it's kind of like a recharging uh, thing, you know? So yeah. And uh, it, yeah, it goes to show. Yeah. I said come back anytime when. Uh, oh, when yeah. Yeah. Promise. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I, uh, the past one and a half years, like it's, it's been too, too long. I know. <laughs> sure. ends. Crazy time, but it, it'll pa pass and you'll be here in no time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, been waiting to get you on the show for quite a while. And finally, uh, yeah, stars aligned and you were here. So thank you so much for everything. And I mean, we're going to be working together moving forward. So yeah. yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you, bro. Um, uh, good luck with everything out to all the people that's watching and dude any 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 question hit this man up hit up akash <laughs> he, he, he's he'll give you all the answers or you well, can raise that <laughs> anytime you want anybody yep. so uh keep wearing the flag over there in the west yep. for us man like seriously proud of you and uh thank you so much again and uh thanks to uh everyone who tuned in thanks to uh roshit and the guys at tsml second time we're collaborating so We'll be bringing more guests on board uh, in the future. And uh, Ru, thank you so much. And until then, this is John Cat Theory, folks. <laughs>